When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. words guys it's inappropriate and violent if you say a cuss word then you're like going to jail hi i'm madison malone kircher and i'm rachel hampton and you're listening to i see why am i in case you missed it slate's podcast about internet culture oh my god madison hello it's <laughs> it's been a while it's been like a lot more than one week since you've looked at me actually <laughs> It's been, despite the fact that you may have heard us together as recently as last Wednesday when we talked to Jessica Lucas, it's actually been about two weeks since we've recorded together, which is the longest we've gone without recording together since the show started. Since you left me to go to Paris. Oh. Yeah. How soon we forget. Désolé. Uh, But since we have been apart for so long, I did come back to an inbox that was simply overflowing. Yeah, we're not getting an inbox zero anytime soon, but we're going to try. What Rachel and I are saying is, of course, it is time for another round of, drumroll please, Red Receipts. Read Receipts. I want to see the receipts. We have got some fascinating questions for you this time. And by we, I mean, y'all had some fascinating questions for us this time. (laughs) On today's show, we are answering y'all's burning, flaming questions on everything from why people think that Wes Anderson is a fascist to resurface tweets from online personality tinks the no more saying cuss word guy and more we'll be back after a quick break tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime Day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back. So right before we recorded this episode, we put out a little call for questions on Twitter. And quite literally within seconds of tweeting, we love you so much for doing this. We had at TVL replying with the words, Wes Anderson fascist question mark. Art, poetry, a novel. I mean, it's just as artful as a Wes Anderson film. (laughs) So I have been offline of late, which has been very delightful for my brain. But apparently, what I missed 
during those beautiful days, perhaps I should have stayed offline, was that people have been talking for the last few days about whether or not fascism has any influence over the work of Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, of course, being director Wes Anderson, lover of symmetry, lover of a pastel, lover of Tilda Swinton. So movies like The Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom, The Darjeeling Limited, The Royal Tenenbaums, Fantastic Mr. Fox. So what? You, what? What's going on? What what happened? Why? So it actually all started when Twitter user at ReproUtopia tweets this. Watched the French Dispatch. It convinced me Wes Anderson has crossed over decisively from what was previously possible to condone as, quote, a political world of winking whiteness and poignant quirkiness, end quote, into a fashoid trivializing of struggle and active investment in the carceral state. <sighs> That's a lot of um, 25 cent words. <laughs> Repro Utopia continues. I imagine everyone already said this at the time. Forgive me for my very belated observations. That shit about May 68 and the other shit about the incarcerated artist who saves the art dealers from rioting inmates made me sick in my mouth. That's extreme. Before we go any further, I haven't seen the French Dispatch. I did see the French Dispatch, so we're we're covered. <laughs> Great. So is it fascist? Did I miss? I thought it was about the New Yorker. There's multiple plot lines in this movie, or not even multiple plot lines. It's It's several micro stories. It's almost like if it were a book of short stories, but it's a film of short stories mm. that don't overlap. Mm -hmm. And there's one that takes place in a prison. So to get back to Repro Utopia, uh, shoving through the jargon, what she's basically saying is that the aesthetics and storytelling of Wes Anderson, particularly in the French Dispatch, give off a fascist vibe. What was the reaction to this take from people who I assume have seen this? Very, very mixed. Mostly people jumping in about why this person is wrong. A handful of people, as per usual, making fun of the take itself. Mm -hmm, but there mm -hmm. were also, shockingly to me, people defending this take who seem to really understand <laughs> the, the lines that Reaper Utopia is drawing between the films of Wes Anderson and fascism, huh. which I'd like to remind people is um, deadly. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, so... Is there, um, how do you say, evidence for this take? Or is it simply just steaming hot? Uh, well, that's the thing that I found interesting as I fell down a rabbit hole after Googling, <laughs> as TVL put it, Wes Anderson fascism? Question <laughs> mark? Because, okay, puts on liberal arts college hat Ooh. for a brief moment. You could make the argument, right? These meticulous, hyper-stylized worlds that Wes Anderson creates, you know, they are all about order and uniformity and mm. and organization, which mm -hmm. one could, I okay. am not one, but one mm -hmm. could make a <clears throat> fascistic Ooh. argument. Okay. I feel like we're getting into the realm of, like, comparative literature and aesthetic... Discernment. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is an argument I might hear in like a grad studies course. Oh, yeah. This isn't even a new take is the other thing I have learned. People have been making these connections and and using this argument since like the Life Aquatic came out in the early 2000s and, you know, 2004. So it's been, wow. it's been a minute. 
That's a long time. I mean, I feel like Wes Anderson is one of the kind of few directors we have nowadays who have such a specific style that you immediately know you're looking at a Wes Anderson film when you're watching it. And so I'm not surprised that people are analyzing his specific aesthetic choices. I mean, they're clearly there to analyze. To bring it all back to TVL's question, Wes Anderson fascist? Uh... No, yes, maybe. People have been talking about this for a while. People will be talking about this for a while to come. AKA, we didn't actually answer your question. <laughs> well, we're going on to the next one. Maybe we'll answer this one. Our next question is from at Caroline Loop. She says, I am begging, begging y'all to address the Tink's tweet situation. Before we get into the aforementioned tweet situation, uh, we need to do two things. One, full disclosure, we have run ads for Tink's podcast on our show in the past. And two, I think an introduction is warranted. So Tinks, that's T-I-N-X, sort of like the period underwear, but minus the H. Tinks has a real name. It is Christina Najar, and she's a social media influencer who got really, really big during the pandemic, like out of nowhere. She's always talking into this teeny tiny little microphone. And I think the first video of hers I've ever seen was her doing like sort of satire, sort of not, of like, how to blend in with like rich West Village mommy types. You're going to be a Venice Beach rich mom, so here's what you'll need. First, a subtle $25 million lead certified home, constructed entirely of reclaimed wood, dripping in Jenny Kane boucle furniture. I like the walk streets beyond Abbott Kinney. Somewhere quaint, where you can walk the dog that you lie about adopting, but actually got from an expensive breeder in Vermont. She's done a lot of those. I think she's done one on Brentwood. Just, we love a rich mom aesthetic. She lives in LA. She has a really, really loyal fan base. And as happens, when you get famous really <laughs> mm-hmm. fast. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. And everyone listening to this podcast, I know you know better because you listen to this podcast, but uh, Tinks did not wipe Tinks' social media footprint. So somebody went through and surfaced a bunch of her old tweets and likes and posted them to the subreddit Tinks Snark. Uh, snark subreddits are very common for popular influencers. It's basically where everyone's movement is tracked and if you put one toe out of line uh they chop it off so that's a little bit about tanks now let's talk about the tweets uh we're gonna read you a few of them these have obviously since been deleted in 2012 she writes kim kardashian is so fat i don't know what to do with myself hashtag oops in 2013 she writes fat people at coachella lol uh 2014 she says who is Tori Spelling. She seems really ugly and pathetic. 2016, we've got interesting disparity between hashtag Theresa May and hashtag Hillary. TM seems like a real politician, whereas HRC comes across as an exhausted show horse. There were also faves as well as tweets, um, which are also public. But if you're listening to this podcast, I know you know that. And those from Tanks ranged from faving kind of troubling early takes about the pandemic and its severity and um oh xenophobia just light things fun things you know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean she's retweeting praise of donald trump and boris johnson also retweeting hunter biden propaganda it's um not the best also kind of jarring given the fact that her reputation as the kind of big sister of tiktok is predicated on her being pretty progressive Right. I mean, that's the other thing that these tweets and faves have allegedly uncovered is that she's 
potentially a Republican, which is not so much about her actually being a Republican, though obviously we have thoughts. <laughs> it's more that that ethos is so not in step with the same woman who holds up that tiny microphone and is like, and then you're going to get a table at Bouvet. And actually, maybe it is. Maybe, maybe she was being honest all along. <laughs> all of this is pretty gross. It's pretty unsurprising, frankly. But after the tweets come out, Tinks does, of course, what an influencer does when they are caught out, a notes app apology. She posts this notes app apology on Instagram about how she was young and said a lot of dumb stuff 10 years ago that was cruel, but she was, again, quote unquote, young, <clears throat> 21, and in a bad place. <laughs> and she's working to be better. Yeah, 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 sure, whatever. But the thing is, weren't there some 2020 tweets? Is the thing? Like, there were some tweets as recently as, oh God, that wasn't last year. <laughs> As recently as two years ago. The faves about the pandemic, for example. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a, that's a, that's a timestamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The biggest timestamp, some might say. Has she responded to this? She did an AMA on Instagram where she just <laughs> cherry-picked questions. <laughs> but someone asked, please just address the 2020 tweets. <laughs> and she posted a story reply that boiled down to her being in that same dark place that the rest of us were in when the pandemic began. Mm-hmm. And she just wasn't thinking clearly about what she was liking and retweeting. She was just reacting. And mm-hmm. she should have done more work and feels awful for engaging in all of it. Mm. I, too, was in a dark place when the pandemic began. And I just read a lot of romance novels so i ate a loaf of banana bread every other day you gotta get your potassium in i believe tinks would say something fat phobic about that hashtag oops (laughs) actually that hashtag i think is the most damning thing she (laughs) tweeted or liked because it is a tacit acknowledgement that she knew she knew oh mm-hmm either way Thank God, Tink still has a huge fan base. We've got a few more questions to answer, but first we have to take a quick break to eat some banana bread. When we get back, we'll be talking about cussing, the funniest word on the internet, and Sister Cindy. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. If you love our podcast, then consider subscribing to Slate Plus. It means you'll get no ads on our show or any other Slate podcast, and it means you'll be supporting ICYMI. Our show would not be possible without that support. Slate Plus really helps us keep the show going. You'll get bonus segments or extra episodes of shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, Political Gab Fest, Hang Up and Listen, Mom and Dad Are Fighting, The Waves, Big Mood, Little Mood. See, you want this. You also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means access to every article and advice column on Slate without ever hitting the paywall. Just visit slate.com slash ICYMI plus to sign up. That's slate.com slash ICYMI plus. All right, we're back, damn it. Hey, no more saying cuss words, Madison. (laughs) Our next question comes from listener Amy. Hi, ICYMI. This is Amy from Denver. And my kids just showed me this video 
of a little boy saying, no more saying cuss words, guys. And I was just wondering if you could go into telling me a little more about it. Thanks. Bye. I am so excited that this is back because this is this is an old internet standard. And it's just genuinely very funny. So here's a little bit of it. If you've not yet met <laughs> no more saying cuss words, guys, kid. No more saying cuss words, guys. It's inappropriate and violent. So in case you've not seen this video, which we'll be sure to link in the show notes, it's a video of a little boy. He's in a striped t-shirt sitting on like what looks like a couch or a recliner in a living room, talking directly to the camera, telling people to stop cussing. You can hear some sort of adult in the background. It's extremely adorable, a little dogmatic for somebody so young. (laughs) So this sound has been going around on TikTok for years. The trouble is, it happens a lot is nobody actually really seems to know where it came from. All the uploads of this video on YouTube are from meme video accounts who are notorious for not showing where exactly they got their content from. And the earliest dated video is from March 21st, 2020. If you are the child or know the child in this video, let us know. The user who posted it, on YouTube back in 2020 actually mentions in their description that they found the video on a Discord server and couldn't find it on YouTube, so they uploaded it, which is to say it has been lost to time, like the library at (laughs) Alexandria. The thing I love about this specific mystery is that I feel like at this point there are very few things on the internet that we can't quite pinpoint where it came from that's in a video format. Like the grape stomp lady, obviously, you don't know who that lady is and you want to okay, know. But I do know that's not actually a mystery. Does the grape stomp lady want to speak? No, but we know who she is. Okay, so, but we don't know who this child is. And I love that for us, even though one of you will tell us who it is. For right now, I love the mystery of it all. <laughs> so I actually have a theory, though, as to why this video is surfacing again Ooh. now such that Amy would be seeing it on her kids for you page tell me a theory sherlock okay it involves icarly oh 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 i know where this is going (laughs) so there's a really popular sound going around on tiktok right now that also involves the word cuss which is just a funny word i actually do cuss a little do you (laughs) also what's your favorite curse word probably fuck (laughs) that's miranda cosgrove who you probably know as iCarly, the titular role from Nickelodeon's iCarly, and she's appearing on comedian Whitney Cummings' podcast back in 2020. In March of this year, though, YouTuber Jax Jr. uploads the clip to YouTube, and then it makes the leap to TikTok, and it's funny. But it gets better. It does get better, because what does TikTok do so well? But make an incredible remix that has been in my head for at least a month now. I actually do cuss a little. Do you? Also, yeah. What's your favorite curse word? Probably fuck. It's just so good. It's my favorite thing in the world. It is really hard to not dance to. And by dance, I mean I'm 100% in bed watching TikToks, but I'm like popping my Mm -hmm, shoulders a little mm -hmm, bit. mm -hmm. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) There are a, a couple of other remixes going around TikTok, but that's my personal favorite. And so... In my professional opinion, that is why the unknown little boy who is averse to cuss words is circulating on TikTok right now, because Miranda Cosgrove actually does cuss a little. 
I I can't argue with that red string theory. <laughs> Case closed. Our next question comes from listener Mel. Hey, I see why am I? So what's the deal with Sister Cindy? I came across a TikTok of her getting escorted off the UCSB's campus. And then I turned to Twitter and only found random tweets about UCSB can't be saved. And oddly enough, feet texts of Sister Cindy. What is going on? Thanks. <laughs> we do want to note that Mel mentioned UCSB, but uh, Sister Cindy's uh, brouhaha actually happened at the UCSD campus. So we're in San Diego, not Santa Barbara. One letter, very easy mistake to make. I know nothing about California geography. I love this question. It's phenomenal. A plus work. Thank you, Mel, for giving me the chance to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is those wild evangelicals who spend their entire life wandering around college campuses telling girls not to be sluts. That sounds personal, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) I love them because they're just so funny, but also because they turn into campus spectacles, which is really their point. Like, are we just encouraging this? But let's, let's get into Sister Cindy specifically. Sister Cindy, her real name is Cindy Smock. She's one of those fire and brimstone traveling evangelical preachers who, along with her husband, brother Jed, travel to different schools, basically trying to get girls to stop being hoes. How does she do this? What's the what's the game plan? Oh, the game plan is a thing called Sister Cindy's Slut Shaming Show. Say that five times fast. I can't. Her merch, she has merch, says shit like, ho no mo. And also, hell is hot, don't be a thought. Which I would 100% wear that last shirt. Like, I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not gonna buy it from her, but I would wear that shirt. Here's a clip of what a typical Sister Cindy slut-shaming show sounds like. Professional prostitute can't even make a living anymore because these college girls are giving it away to any boy who comes up with a mop and a bucket. But never fear, Sister Cindy is here to roast you and your hoe friends. I just, I have attended many, many a frat party in my day. And perhaps... It is other things about me that kept this from happening, but no man ever approached me with a bucket and a mop. (laughs) That's a wet-ass pussy. My favorite thing about that clip was Sister Cindy being like, I am concerned for the fact that sex workers can no longer make a living because of these hoes on campus. (laughs) Sister Cindy's all about sex workers. Look, I am am likewise concerned, but it's more about tech platforms than uh, Oh, we have a lot of concerns about that. So Sister Cindy and Brother Jed have been traveling to college campuses for quite literally four decades at this point. Like, Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, it's been, this is not new in any way, shape, or form. They're a well-known phenomena. Who I probably would have never heard of if it weren't for TikTok. Shut it down. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you would have heard of them because they would come to your college campus. You just wouldn't know their names. But basically, yeah, TikTok has provided Sister Cindy a new platform. Hers, the, the Sister Cindy slut shaming show has gone viral on TikTok many times. The hashtag Sister Cindy has almost 300 million views at this point. She currently has almost half a million followers on the platform. She has a cameo account along with her merch store and TikTok account. The thing that is unclear here is how much of the virality is people who actually believe what she's saying versus people who are ironically just engaging because they think that it's funny. Oh, I'd assume 
almost entirely the latter. I would say mostly the latter, but I, I don't know. Having, having grown up on the internet, having seen people be ironically racist for years and then turn out to be actually racist, I, I just feel like there are some true believers in the Sister Cindy camp. Hell is hot. Don't be a thought. Have you heard Bible rap? That's the same thing. <laughs> uh... Yes, and I had promptly blocked it out of my brain. All right, so back to Sister Mel's question, though. What <laughs> happened at uh, UCSD? Sorry, I had to. What happened at UCSD? So the usual thing, which is that a Sister Cindy sighting has become a bit of a bit at this point in that lots of people troll her for views, but who's really getting trolled here is a good question because Sister Cindy has admitted that on some level her slut-shaming show is satire. But on April 18th, Sister Cindy showed up on University of California San Diego's campus and in the process gathered a huge crowd. Like easily a couple hundred people just circling her. And at what first glance reads to me as a person from the South who knows Christian culture as a kind of baptism, but is actually just people listening to laugh and jeer at her. And things escalated when students started harassing and like stealing things from her. And according to a tweet from the UCSD student paper, Cindy and her husband left campus after receiving harassment and were escorted off campus after calling UCPD, which I am assuming means Campo? The camp cop, yeah. But the reason Mel came across those UCSD can't be safe tweets is for two reasons. Some people were actually horrified by the ways that these college students were treating this woman and calling the behavior despicable, to which I would respond with speech can also be violent and hateful, and it uh, behooves us to remember that before condemning the response to said rhetoric. That behooves. Next year to tell me you think Wes Anderson's a fascist. (laughs) But majority of the posts are as ironic as Sister Cindy's following. They say shit like, UCSD broke Sister Cindy and I witnessed it all with my own eyes. Which, it's true. She was bullied off campus, basically. I mean, Twitter is notoriously a place where people are genuinely concerned for the well-being of others. So Mm. it makes sense mm -hmm. that everyone is genuinely concerned for Sister Cindy. Oh, yeah. I've never felt more loved and cared for than on Twitter. All right, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, never miss a call out for questions for a read receipts episode. Please leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. Tell your friends about us. None of y'all have hired that Skywriter yet, but there's still time. You can also follow us on Twitter at ICY underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like Wes Anderson fascism. You can also always drop us a note at icymi at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader, Rachel Hampton, and me, Madison Malone-Kircher. We're edited by Allegra Frank. And Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. See you online. Or in San Diego. I have a lot of questions about calling each other sissy cinder. Sisty Sisty Cinder. Oh my god. <laughs>
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. <laughs> 